Hi, everyone. Welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. Three California women went to Tijuana for cosmetic surgery and only two returned home. Wendy Fry has the story. Then cartoonist Steve Breen shares his latest inspirations. First, the news. San Diego County announced Tuesday that COVID-19 vaccines will be given without appointments at several locations across the region. The county health department announced the decision just after the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention announced that those who are fully vaccinated do not need to wear masks outdoors unless they are in crowds. In an email, a county spokesperson said that appointments have recently filled more slowly, influencing the decision to open up to walk-ins. The list of walk-in locations is available at sandiegocounty.gov or at sandiegouniontribune.com. Implementation of a voter-approved police oversight commission in San Diego moved forward on Monday. During a special meeting, the city council approved procedures to allow interim commissioners to continue to review police cases while the Commission on Police Practices is set up. The council also appointed an interim executive director, Charmaine Mosley, who served as the executive director of the Community Review Board on Police Practices. The new commission, which will have subpoena powers and its own staff, will pursue independent investigations. The city council is expected to appoint permanent commissioners in the future. San Diego home prices increased at their fastest pace in nearly 16 years as of February, and the metro area was among the strongest markets in the nation. Home prices in the San Diego metropolitan area are up 17% in a year, according to the S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller Indices, reported Tuesday. The last time they went up that fast was April 2005. Phoenix narrowly beat out San Diego as the top housing market in the nation, with prices up 17.4% in a year. Other top markets were Seattle, up 15.4%, and Boston, up 13.7%. On a day in late January, three women from California went to get cosmetic work done in Tijuana. None of them left unharmed. All three procedures have drawn attention to the clinic where they took place, Art Silhouette Aesthetic Surgery. Americans often go to Tijuana for medical services in search of low-cost options, but doctors caution that bargain shopping for cosmetic surgeries can be risky. Wendy Fry covers Baja California at the UT. Okay, Wendy, you wrote a story about three women from California who went to get cosmetic surgery in Tijuana. One died on an operating table, one is on kidney dialysis, and another was hospitalized for two weeks. Can you tell me about these cases? Who were these women and uh, what procedures were they seeking? So these women, these three women all happened to come from California and two of them knew each other. Two of them were friends and a, a third woman never met the other two women before they went to this specific clinic in Tijuana to do uh, the surgeries, but they did become close um, during their process of researching and getting ready to go do these procedures. And I, I would say they were very well informed about what they were going into. Um, the women that I did, did get to talk to, they did a lot of research and knew what they were trying to have done. Um, and so they all shared the same doctor. Uh, can you tell us more about this doctor and, and do they have um, any any recourse? 
Sure. So the doctor, um, Jesus Manuel Baez Lopez, um, and he's listed as the clinic's director for the Art Silhouette Aesthetic Surgery Clinic, uh, which is located in Las Torres in on Agua Caliente, which is very um, old building in TJ. It's a very, you know, um, prestigious building to be in, to have offices in. And um, really, as far as recourses go, I mentioned that just to just just to say it's it, you know it's not like he's hiding or, or anything. You know, he's in a very prominent location in the middle of the city, right? And as far as recourse goes for the women, uh, really, so far, uh, the the mother of the woman who died um, is still looking for even just acknowledgement that something happened to her daughter that shouldn't have happened. Uh, she says that nobody from Baja California has contacted her. She hasn't talked to any investigators. It wasn't until after the story came out that the US consulate contacted her. Um, and so she she's not yet to the point of uh, recourse. Uh, they they have been researching, researching legal options as far as any uh, civil lawsuits. And the mother says very strongly that her only her only motivation for that would be that she wants to put a stop to this guy. And she doesn't believe that the state government would do anything to enforce him con continuing to stay shut down if they do shut him down. Uh, so that's why she's considering civil um, lawsuit, but it depends on where the women were marketed to and where they paid as far as which country they could could seek any civil action in. So Baja is promoting medical tourism. Uh, it was an estimated 2.4 million people visited in 2018 for medical reasons. Um, but what regulations are in place to ensure safety? By law, the laws that that exist are very similar to, to the laws here in the United States and in California, such as who's able, who's eligible to do plastic surgery, qualifications and the medical training that they have to get first to do that. Uh, those specific procedures. So it's pretty comparable, you know, as far as following the, the legal letter of the law. The issue gets into oversight of who's responsible for making sure that people are following the law. And that's really the Achilles heel of this, this whole industry is um, there's, there's not a, a really structured system for, for holding the doctors that are not doing things correctly accountable. Is it something they're working on? Like I know in your story, you know, a doctor flat out said, yeah, you know, those those entities exist. They don't really do their jobs. I think you talked to the like the head of medical tourism and they said they would look into it. But I mean, is, is this something they're trying to improve? Yes, well, it's definitely the, the medical tourism industry really would like to see uh, an improvement in oversight, uh, according to the to the head of that group that I spoke to. Uh, from the perspective of every time something like this happens, you know, their business is greatly impacted because it, it increases people's fear and it, it, it gives the impression somehow that, that, that the medical care is not um, as high as standards as it is in the United States, which it really isn't true. You know, I've, I've received medical care myself in Tijuana and it's comparable at the same level, if not better um, there. And so, and highly trained, well-trained, very um, ethical and very, very caring doctors work the vast majority. So the people that are promoting the medical tourism in the state really would like to see an increase in the agencies that are tasked with the oversight um, 
increasing their budget and increasing their 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 output as far as how much activity and interaction they have with clinics that are suspected of not following the law. Yeah, I mean, and is it the case that this doctor necessarily did anything wrong? I mean, like any surgery, elective or not, carries, you know, some risk to it. So, I mean, could it just be a, a case of, I don't know, you know, misfortune uh, for these women, right. not necessarily at the fault of the doctor? Right. It's, it's very possible that nothing uh, medically was, you know, there was malpractice or any kind of intentional um, misprocedure that he followed. Um, but he, he, I think the, the, the part that, that really stood out is that he's not, you know, licensed to, to do plastic surgery. So that, that's a big concern, a big, big red, red flag there. Uh, but it is a risky surgery uh, and it, it, it comes with risks just like anything else. Any surgery is risky. And, um, you know, when something happens, when someone dies, those stories uh, get told far and wide. Uh, but there are millions of procedures just like it that happen on both sides of the border with nothing going wrong. Um, however, I think I think in this case um, with Keanu Weaver, she her family just really kind of wants to know what is it that did go wrong, right? So they, they haven't had any answers yet and they just, um, it could have been any kind of um, circumstances on that day possibly that, that led to these fatal consequences, but they really just want to know what it was. So for people who, um, you know, do seek medical attention in Mexico are, are planning on it, you know, what are, the, what are the best things that people can do to protect themselves, or, you know, to get informed before a medical visit? I would say the best thing is to check with other doctors, even even doctors that, that maybe you're, you aren't considering having a procedure with, but um, especially the doctors that are part of these organizations. Now they are volunteer organizations. So just because somebody isn't in the organization doesn't mean that they're not, um, you know, up to speed or, uh, you know, up to par. But if you ask enough doctors in, say, like the Association Mexicana de Historia Plastica, and there's a link in there too, so you can find that in the story. But if you don't ask enough doctors that are in that association, they'll be able to tell you whether they know the doctor or not and know his reputation or not. And I would say if you're spending that much money and taking taking the risk, um, and obviously it's something, you know, you've probably thought about quite a bit, that it would be worth those extra few phone calls. And uh, another thing, the vast majority of doctors in Baja California are bilingual. And so you wouldn't have to worry about facing a language barrier if you don't speak Spanish. They will most likely be able to answer all of the questions in English. Now for opinion. Steve Breen is the UT's editorial cartoonist. Steve, you drew Oscar, um, the Academy Awards guy, sleeping this yeah. week. I, I missed the show, but was it really that bad? Well, it seemed to me like it was. I mean, personally, I hadn't really seen any of the movies that were nominated. There was a couple I wanted to, but it just seems like in past years, uh, I have heard chatter about several movies, you know, uh, but I didn't this year. And I know it's, I know COVID makes things weird with the way Hollywood is releasing things, but it just yeah. seemed particularly sleepy. 
Yeah, I saw some coverage about that. Like maybe just because it was such a small room with so few people, the energy level was down or something like that. Anyway, I was thinking about trying to catch it. I think that you've helped me make my decision against. Yeah, yeah. I saw that you can rewatch it on Hulu. Okay, good to know, even though I'm not going to do it. Um, <laughs> so Steve, you also drew a cartoon suggesting that maybe 101 Ash Street, uh, the building purchased by the city of San Diego, could be laid down to replace the Ocean Beach Pier. Yeah. Uh, did you get blowback for that one? Or what no, was I got a lot of people who liked it because uh, uh, it's it's a local twofer, we call it, where we were able to combine two talked about local issues into one cartoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's so local that I imagine anybody outside of San Diego couldn't understand it. And no, absolutely not. They would be totally lost. Uh, uh, well, and just just finally, uh, you know, the UT is so lucky to have you. We're so lucky to have an editorial cartoonist on staff. It's pretty uncommon these days. But you also have like some side hustles going. I know that you work on, um, you know, well, you've created children's shows. You write children's books. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you do when you're not uh, the editorial cartoonist at the UT? <laughs> um, yeah, so for a couple years now, I, I use my weekend time to uh, come up with children's book ideas and I'll, I'll illustrate and write them. Um, I, I haven't had anything published in seven or eight years, um, but uh, I'm always thinking. And uh, I had a TV show called Power Birds on uh, um, Universal Kids, um, but uh, Again, I'm you know when when you create things for other platforms, you know the, it, you can't retire off of it. Hmm. You know, you, if if you're the if if you own the uh, the platform, um, then uh, it's it's a lot better for you. I see. Yeah. What is it like? Um, you know, it's it's so different. On one hand, you create these like really smart, sophisticated, informed cartoons for adults. On the other hand, you're creating children's content. Like, is, is there a difference between the two, like in your own creative process or the way you think about it? Yeah, there, I think there is. Um, you're definitely uh, creating for a different audience. You have to know your audience. Um, and uh, I think it helps that I have kids. So it kind of keeps me in that zone. And I have different ages too. Um, one thing I really want to do is I, I want to do a graphic novel, cool. a middle grade graphic novel. So I'm kind of trying to put something along those lines together right now. Very uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, and it's a, you know, it's a welcome break from working on editorial cartoons because the news, especially these days tends to be so heavy. You can find these stories online at sandiegouniontribune.com. I'm Christy Totten, host of the San Diego News Fix. Thanks for listening.